When you ask people what edge compute is, you get a range of answers. Cloud compute and DevOps with devices and sensors, with semiconductors outside the data center, including connectivity, AI, and a security strategy. It's a stew of technologies that's powering our vehicles, our buildings, our factories, and more. It's also filled with fascinating people that are passionate about their tech, their story, and their world. I'm your host, Pete Bernard, and the Edge Celsius Show makes sense of what edge compute is, who's doing it, and how it can transform your business and you. So let's get started. Yeah, so, um, well, this is going to be kind of a, a very special episode of the Edge Celsius Show because we are going to have a three-person conversation with Evgeny and Gopal, who I'll introduce in a minute. Oh, so one other thing, just as a housekeeping thing, is try to silence your uh, alerts or any of your beeps and bloops because they can't really edit those out. <laughs> no, but, uh, yeah. you know. I mean, it's not Sergeant Pepper or anything here, but you know, we're trying to, we'll try to keep professional. Yeah, try to keep it professional. Cool, and uh, and we are. This is an audio only recording, so don't worry about yeah. how you look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all good. Yeah, I had someone I was recording, and they were they had all they had it all set up, and the hair and the look really good. And I said, you know, I appreciate you getting dressed up, but this is an audio only thing. So but whatever makes you feel good. So what, what, what is your typical audience? Please? Well, you know, so this goes out, uh, I mean, it's through iTunes and Spotify and all that. And uh, I actually are getting, I'm getting a lot more views on uh, or listens on YouTube now. Okay. Uh, probably, it's probably 10x on YouTube than I'm getting on like iTunes and Spotify. Um, just right. in the past like month or so. Month or month and a half. Is it like like a general public or some engineering? Like what do we? What kind of? Well, I don't know exactly who the, who is the audience. I mean, I'm assuming they're self-selecting to be interested in edge computing. So, I would find it hard to believe if, if you were not into it, then you would actually listen to the whole thing. So, <laughs> so people people are somewhat familiar with with, with, the, with the area. Yeah, I think so. And I, I you know I think it's uh, we've we've had Intel on the show. We've had um different analysts on the show leonard lee has been on the show we've had dave mccarthy from idc on the show we've had microsoft on the show so um lots of different players in the kind of the edge computing space so yeah it's it's all around the the edge stack cool and uh, you know so today i thought we could talk about um i'll introduce you guys in a second here but the uh talk about the tiny edge the edge of the edge, and uh, which is something that a lot of people don't focus on as much. But before we get into it and all the different topics, let me kind of go through. Maybe you guys can introduce yourselves. We have Gopal Raghavan from Renaissance, calling from Southern Cal. So Gopal, do you want to give a two-second, oh man, two seconds, give yourself you know, 15, 20 seconds, a, a quick background on who you are? Uh, thanks, Pete. Um... You know, I've been uh, working on ML on edge devices for about the last 10 years, first in a company that I started. And uh, 
then I joined Microsoft, where I was working for Pete, actually, doing the same thing. And now I'm at Renaissance, where I'm coordinating the AI strategy across a range of edge devices, from MCUs, which are tiny devices, to MPUs, and some beefier AI accelerators. Great, great. Appreciate that. And Evgeny, do you want to give, give everyone your, your info? Oh, absolutely. And it is a pleasure to be here. Pete, thank you for inviting and uh, to, to be able to share our thoughts about this exciting area. So I've been with Qualcomm since 2005, for almost 20 years, a lot of different projects. And more recently, in the past about 10 years, we've been working on uh, embedded compute, low-power compute, machine learning, uh, edge AI applications, hardware, software, basically basically the full stack. And I also serve as the chairman of the board of TinyML Foundation, which is a non-profit organization of many global companies um, uh, doing business together in the area of uh, edge compute or the edge of the edge compute, like what, what do you say, TinyML, uh, software, hardware applications, very diverse, very interesting ecosystem. So it's, it's actually fun to be part of it. Cool. Yeah, no, that's great. And uh, yeah, and we've done some work together in the past as well, some good projects. So yeah, and I, I wanted to get both of you together because I think we've all occupied sort of a similar space over the years. Um, you know, a lot of times when people talk about edge computing, they tend to talk about maybe some of the heavier edge stuff, um, you know, and servers and gateways and kind of big things like that. Um, but in fact, you know, as many people may know, terms of high volume, you know, billions of, of devices out there are running much lighter weight, lower power compute uh, capabilities. A lot of those in the past, like MCUs, everyone, you know, probably hopefully everyone who's listening to this podcast knows what an MCU is, but microcontroller, uh, they're everywhere. Uh, they're in everything these days, everything from your bathroom scale to your toothbrush to your, you know, whatever, toilet seat, I can, can beyond the bathroom, even in the, in the fridge and everywhere healthcare. Uh, but what's been happening interestingly is that MCUs over the past several years have become much more capable. Um, so they're not just kind of doing very simple kind of functions, um, but they're actually able to do compute and they're able to communicate and um, they're actually driving workloads. And so because of that, and we can talk a little bit about some of that architectural advancement, these platforms are becoming really interesting, useful platforms, uh, including doing, you know, AI and other kind of edge compute. So that's kind of a frontier. And the, the challenge, as I'm sure we'll talk about too, is how do you do that in a in an architecture that's really designed to be ultra low power, you know, many times battery operated, and also with very low cost. So these are typically single dollar or so type of chips in very low, low cost things. So that's kind of the the frontier, and I'd I'd love to kind of get both of your take on um, on you know what what is what has been changing in sort of this uh, MCU space and this tiny edge space. It's now making it a lot more usable and feasible to do things with. So either either you guys can chime in. Yeah, I think there are a couple of fundamental uh, things happened in the past. I would say five years or so, and it's all driven by. Uh, roadmap, technology roadmaps, but also innovations in the systems area and also talent development specifically, and also tools specifically, Silicon is becoming more and more capable 
so like one one point of comparison what we can run on a small microcontroller today which is maybe just like five millimeter square uh, this small microcontroller has uh, as much horsepower as a Pentium computer was um, what hundred not 100, 15 years ago so you can imagine big, big desktop you can run so much workload on this tiny couple of millimeter square piece of silicon that, that's that's one second uh algorithms and models are becoming more sophisticated and they're becoming both uh, more capable and lightweight in terms of model size and there are other techniques like how do you make it even smaller using quantization pruning and so on kind of you know, people build this small models and the third driving force are tools, software tools. There are many companies who offer the software tools. As a result, there is a big uh, developer community around this. So it's easy for people to use all the way to like no code programming. You can kind of develop your own code without really knowing programming languages. So I think all of these forces, silicon innovations, uh, um, uh, algorithms, and tools they, they drive this massive development in this area that's on the technology side and we are we, we are seeing more pool on the end user and application side which i'm sure we're going to address later in this yeah this yeah as well go paul what's your what's your take on what's what's changed with good old-fashioned mcus to make them new and exciting i think before <laughs> we get into specifically mcus one of the yeah. points you made pete which was a very good point is there have been advancements in connectivity as well as compute. Mm -hmm. True, true. And what th this does is transforms the AI problem into a continuum. Mm -hmm. So given a problem, you have a choice of where you want to solve it. Mm -hmm. And why would you want to move towards smaller devices or towards the cloud? That depends on the three Vs of the data you have. So like, depending on the data volume, the data velocity, and the variety of data, mm -hmm. it makes sense to solve or do AI either on the tiny device or let's say a more capable MPU right. or even an on-prem data center or a server. All the way out, next up would be the server provider edge and then finally the cloud. Mm. So there is this whole thing and so what happens is, as uh, more capabilities are available in MCUs, to me, it only moves your problem up or down. If your MCU is not very capable, then you move to the next level up. Right, right. And you keep moving. So having said that, MCUs and silicon for machine learning, all the NPUs, Mm -hmm. There's a whole host of companies doing that and software that Evigny mentioned also. All these are pushing the compute axis, but without the real big changes in connectivity we have seen recently, mm. it's I don't think the edge market would be as interesting. Right. Well, I mean, it's a good point. The the you know edge solutions are kind of defined by a continuum of devices, everything from the hyperscaler to the potentially the tiny edge sensor and maybe a few hops in between. Um, and that actually distinguishes it from maybe traditional IOT solutions, which may be, you know, sensors sending data one way up to a cloud or something like that. Um, and so you're right. I think the ability to now think of these solutions as a continuum of compute um, 
and you know, I would throw in there's kind of management and orchestration of those workloads is also pretty important. Uh, but yeah, getting these things connected, and we could talk a lot about connectivity for the tiny edge, whether that's kind of LPWA or LoRaWAN things, or you know, NBIoT. But also, you know, like you were saying, is just thinking about you know the ability to kind of plop the workload on the right piece of the edge at the right time to get the right result. I think that's kind of the the thing that's now bringing a lot of the tiny edge capabilities, making them you know more, much more valuable in sort of completing these types of solutions, right? Exactly. I think that's an excellent point. We are not talking about tiny versus uh, cloud. It's not mm-hmm. either or. It's 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 a distributed compute depending on, on the workloads. And the winners in these games are those people and company who know how to partition your system in a such smart way. You can get most of your compute in terms of energy efficiency and cost because right. that's 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 basically the, the rule of the game today. Yes, exactly. You know, I, my in my experience working with customers, they want to solve the problem for as little cost as possible, yep. as fast as possible. <laughs> so uh, anything that that solves those problems is good for them because they don't really want to spend any extra on it. But right. uh, yeah, no, it's interesting. I mean, I think also for our listeners. Um, you know, OpenAI just had their DevCon, their developer conference. And so there's been I mean, so much oxygen in the room has been taken up talking about generative AI, uh, which is fantastic. It's it's wonderful. I use it too. Um, but the, the types of AI that are happening on the kind of lighter and tinier edges is not generative AI. It's other types of AI. It's anomaly detection. It's vision AI. It's kind of object detection. I mean, can you guys talk about like what are some of the scenarios and, um, you know, use cases that really snap in well with kind of the the lighter edge of compute i think there are also probably two driving forces here pete like what you said on one hand we have um, all this uh, cloud-based ai techniques and technologies being developed and i think what mm-hmm. you see that this type of approaches and techniques are being adopted also to the edge type of devices by kind of making models smaller smarter more application specific that's kind of one one driving force right mm-hmm. and on the other hand we have a bottoms up type of uh, evolution like sensor type of companies uh, st microelectronics bosch uh, all right. these companies they try to make their sensor smarter by adding ml capabilities there so those are kind of the two Two things that are connecting the the, the big AI and and, and the tiny, tiny AI world. This is kind of as a general comment, but uh, mm-hmm. application specific. I think there are there are many areas uh, basically where you need to bring more intelligence to the edge and do it in a way that does not violate, especially privacy, and kind of is. Uh, beneficial in terms of um, latency and because you don't need to connect to the cloud or sometimes you cannot connect to the cloud right like for right, example right. some applications in the industrial iot yes you connect it through wi-fi but wi-fi in a big industrial building may not be reliable right it may be mm-hmm. on and off type of thing so i think the latency and reliability are also important that, that's kind of where this hai tiny ML comes to shine because uh, because you don't have this type of constraints in terms of energy, in terms of uh, uh, dependency on on the networks and and, and so on. Mm-hmm. So those are kind of general uh, things. And if you look at by verticals, I think uh, we are at the very beginning of this. I think it's kind of hard to make kind of big big predictions yet. Right. But you would definitely see some um, very interesting trends, uh, like for example in the industrial IoT. There are many applications, like you mentioned, predictive maintenance, for example, is one of them. How do you make your machines 
smart, uh, more reliable, more predictable in a way. And uh, anomaly detection is kind of related to this. How do you detect things that are about to happen before they happen, right? So they can, you, you replace a motor based on some vital signs from, from, from this engine, right? So that, mm-hmm, that, that's, mm-hmm. that's one big vertical. Another one is consumer electronics. There are many, many applications of this type of devices in consumer electronics, just like V8 Qualcomm, you just released a product in the laptop business, for example, using this type of technologies or mm. wearables is a big, big application. Uh, augmented reality and the mixed reality, XR, because all of these devices, they have uh, constraints in terms of battery size or energy. I think that's kind of where these technologies come to to play a big role there. That, that's that's a second vertical. And the third one, I would say, it's in the healthcare and uh, uh, medical type of applications. I think that's kind of another big, big, big opportunity. Mm-hmm. There. But there are more, more than this, but those are kind of three yeah. where we see quite a bit of traction. You mentioned about um, some of the kind of privacy security things. I mean, uh, as we know, in, in some of these, especially industrial solutions, they're air-gapped for a reason. Uh, you know, and and also in sort of military and government things. So there is no cloud access or there's occasional cloud access. And so, you know, the, the types of kind of compute and AI that needs to happen, happens, needs to happen at the edge, you know, without relying on a cloud. Um, then, as you mentioned before, also there's just the latency and frankly cost and ingress of, of all the, you know, where back in the old days, maybe years ago, uh, like healthcare stuff, maybe would collect some data, dump it up to the cloud, get some analysis and get, get the data back maybe at some point. Uh, but now a lot of that stuff, especially in the healthcare medical fields that can happen like on device instantaneously for doctors and patients to see, uh, without having to go off prem and do calculations. So yeah, no, it's interesting. I think, um, probably we'll eventually see, you know, the, now a lot of these MCUs and kind of very kind of light edge rather than AI being sort of an interesting added feature, it'll just be sort of a standard way of, of running compute. But uh, Gopal, any, any thoughts on that? What's your, yeah, what's so, your take um, on the hot areas? My take on the hot areas, I think the ones which are closer in, part of the problem has been a lot of these AI edge applications die after the POC level. Mm-hmm. And depending on who you believe, it's somewhere between, let's say, 70 and 90%. Yeah, that sounds um, about right. Yeah, I think we're both familiar with that too, Pete. That's right, yeah. So the question is, when we try to force AI into applications where there is no, uh, how would I say it, where there's no concrete or provable benefit, economic Mm -hmm. benefit, Mm -hmm. it usually tends to die out. So while we've seen a lot of uh, applications I think the two big verticals, I think, as uh, Evigny mentioned, was one of them is, of course, industrial. And the other one, which you know may not, MCUs do play a role, not as big, is the automotive. Mm, because right. the automotive is absolutely the edge. you know. And uh, again, to me, the, the way I identify things at the edge is based on the three Vs of data, volume, mm. velocity, and variety. Mm-hmm. So if you have a huge volume of data coming, it obviously does not make sense to send it all to the cloud. Right. Similarly, if the velocity is very high, you're not sending it to the cloud. Mm-hmm. The only other thing 
is when you close the loop, you need latency if you need to act on this data. And so um, those are the two that I feel sort of warmish about. I'm not really hot about any of these because I'm not seeing the money, mm-hmm. but uh, I feel warm. Automotive certainly is a big one. Yeah. Industrial well, also, is, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. go ahead. Well, I was going to say automotive. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, that that whole segment and uh, I mean, Qualcomm and Renaissance are both doing big business in automotive these days. The... Um, you know the, the the rise of the software-defined vehicle and kind of consolidating all these legacy ECUs into these kind of central vehicle computers and stuff. It's a huge engineering project um, for for everybody, and there's a lot of real-time you know safety-critical stuff that needs to happen there. So that's actually a really good example because it's it's it has to be deterministically real-time and it has to be and you know there's I mean we've all driven cars or maybe not everybody but you know. They go pretty fast. They have brakes and things, and so you need to sort of make sure that all that stuff is, is instantaneously actionable. Uh, so yeah, though no, that's a really good example of one of the most complex and, and interesting edge platforms that are out there, right? There. Yeah, and actually, Pete, some of the automotive features may be actually mandated because they will be a safety right. or, or mission critical. Right, right, and they can't be dependent on any kind of cloud connectivity right. to work. Right, right. like for for so example, the, yeah, go yeah, go ahead, go on. Actually, the funny thing about this is one of the reasons we tout Edge is to work well with intermittent connectivity. Mm-hmm. But I think if you saw the news over the last, I don't know, in six months when uh, I forget which of these automated, automated cabs in San Francisco they were, I forget which one, they lost connectivity and all of them went to this one street in San Francisco. Oh, really? That's yeah. <laughs> and they all jammed it. So yeah. Uh, yeah. I think behavior with intermittent connectivity needs to be worked on some more. Yeah, but. yeah. yeah there's a whole lot of on there. Thanks for joining us today on the Edge Celsius Show. Please subscribe and stay tuned for more and check us out online about how you can scale your edge compute business.